Uh, why don't you just turn your Bibles open to Philippians. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to overview our way back into 2.12, and we'll, we'll go 12 through 16, our actually preaching text. Um, but I, I feel like I need to give a little context and talk about a few things before we get there so we understand this, this passage well. And, and, I, and I'd always love to tell the story of Philippians anyway, so it, it'll bless me, so you have to bear with me through it. So we'll start in chapter 1. I, you know, what we have here is, you know, Paul you know, started this church in Philippi. I think it's in, in Acts 16, and you can see some of the histories, Lydia and some of the salvations, and, and the church is growing. Here we are 10, 12 years later, and we have Paul, who is now in house arrest. He's in prison in Rome. And so he's communicating back and forth with this church that he loves dearly. Uh, he says here in chapter 1 in verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel. He loves that group of people. There's no doubt about that. But the, the, the true love here is that they are still partners. In the first century, when you're in, in prison, when you're in house arrest, as he is, you have to have people support you from the outside to stay alive. You have to have uh, food, clothing. You have to have money to pay for those things. And this church has continued to send um, people to, uh, to help Paul in this situation that he's in. And he's saying, I am so thankful that we are partners. But not just partners. Partners to move the gospel forward. And that is how we are here today. This, this letter, in fact, is a letter to the church, not to an individual, to this body of believers, to, to a body of believers just like us. And he has some expectations. He wants to know some things. He's telling them, I'm thankful for this partnership, but I want to know that you're, com you're continuing the work. You're continuing the work. The work is the mission that we're on, to complete the work, the, the work of evangelism, to battle. The battle task is advancing the gospel. Isn't that our mission today, that we're to take God's Word, we're going to hold it forth, we're going to take it forward, we're going to take it out. That's what, what's on his mind there. He says in, in, a little bit later on in, in 1-7 that, um, and, and all of you are partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. That's what's on his heart, that's what's on his mind. And he's, he's telling this group of people, there's some things you're going to have to do. He's telling us today, there's some things that we're going to have to do, and we're going to have to do some things together if we're going to be effective in this endeavor. The first thing is, in 127, he says, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. The picture of that is, really, you know what we are? If you have given your life to Jesus Christ... You are a citizen of heaven. Did you realize that? You're not a citizen down here at earth. This is earthly stuff. We're citizens of heaven, but we have a mission here on earth. We have some things we're supposed to be doing. It says live worthy. It's to live as a citizen of heaven. Are you living as a citizen of heaven today? Is that how you act? Is that your behavior? That's your worthy walk. He says, I'm not with you, but I want to know these things about you, that you're living as a citizen of heaven in this world that we've been dropped down in. I want to know these things. Another thing he says right here, in, in order to live as a citizen of heaven, you're going to have to stand firm. It's unmovable. It's the idea of, um, like in the military, you're, you're, like, like, you're like at an outpost, and, and you have to defend your post, and you have to work outward from your post. Nobody's going to conquer your post. That's your area. 
And to some degree, that's all of us. We, we join here together. We go out. We have our outpost where we're at, where we're trying to work in our communities, in our families. We're trying to do great things. Um, you know, we're trying to uh, influence our families to, uh, you know, to follow Christ, right? Is that, we were just talking about that earlier, you know? We're trying to be influencers. We're, we, we, we've put our stake in the ground, and we're standing firm, we're immovable. We're, and, and it says, and we're to do this, and then together, we're to work side by side. We're to help each other. So you got Paul and these group of peoples, they're working together to move the gospel forward. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that why we come together? So that, that's 127, kind of 128. Then we move into chapter 2. Man, the great chapter 2. It, it, it tells us some key things, and it gives us the example of Christ. It says that we are to think the one thing. Think the one thing. Thinking the one thing is the example of Christ. It's that selfless mindset. Humble, selfless, humble mindset. It's considering others' needs ahead of, ahead of your own desires. That's the only way we're going to get along with each other. I was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, me and Cindy and my mom were, were going to the Lenexa Farmer's Market right down the street here. If any of you have been there, you pull in and you're on the ground level, and then you go up and you have to park, you know, in the parking garage. So I pulled up there and, and I let um, uh, Cindy out and I let my mom out, and, and now it's just me and my grandson in the car, Gavin. Gavin's going to be in first grade. And so me and Gavin's in the car, and we're going around, you know, trying to find a parking spot. And he goes, hey, Pops. He goes, man, I am so glad we don't have to go to that farmer's market. I'm glad we dropped him off. <laughs> I said, well, um, you, you might want to hold that thought because we're actually going to walk down there. We just got to walk down the steps and meet him down there. So you are going to have to go to the, to the farmer's market. And he says, well, why did we drop them off? Why aren't they walking down there? Why do we got to walk? I go, well, you know, because you love your Nini and your Graham so much, your grandma and your great-grandma, you love them so much that you're willing to make it hard on yourself to make it easy on them. Like, we're, we're, we're willing to sacrifice what would maybe be more difficult for us because we care so much about them, we want it to be great for them. Do you, do you understand that? He goes, yeah, you know, how far down is the walk? I said, well, you know, you'll see. So we go down there, you know, and, and I'm trying to explain a little Philippians him to him, but I don't, I don't, I'm not sure he got it because it's time to go. I go, let's go get the car. He goes, why don't you pick me up with uh, Nene and Graham? <laughs> okay. So I got to keep working. Me and Gavin keep working together, so we'll, we'll get it, church. So you can help me that when you see us in the hallway. But, but it's that I- idea, right, that we're willing that we're willing to sacrifice, right? We're willing to make it hard for ourselves to the benefit of, of someone else. And you understand as a church, the only way that we're going to get along, the only way that we're going to work together is you're going to have to have this mindset. It's, that, it's the mindset of Christ. That's the example. As we move further down into uh, chapter 2, you can see 5 through 11 is just about Christ's example. I love uh, the old pastor, he's passed away now, E.V. Hill. E.V. Hill, I, I, I have a recording of him preaching this passage, and it's so good. Um, it's just, you know, gets you excited every time you, you hear it. But, he, but here's what he's saying. And I, I'm telling you, I'm preaching today in Philippians 
but this is going to be the most important part, and we not even got to 2.12 yet. And it is the example what Christ has done for us. I, church, I want you to make sure you understand, because I don't know if you, if you truly understand this, I don't know how you don't say yes to our Savior. I don't, I don't understand that. So understand this. You have Jesus, who is God. Jesus, who is God, came down from heaven, came down from heaven, took on the likeness of a man. God taking on the likeness of a man. The form of man. Evie Hill said, that just sounds nasty. God taking on our likeness. But not only did he take on our likeness, it says he thought it not robbery. God came down in the form of man because of his great love for us, his great sacrifice, and he thought it not robbery. He thought it was fair. He thought that was a fair deal. Can you imagine that? Do you imagine the great love your God has for you that he would sacrifice and humble himself like that? His son comes down, and it says he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross for you. The text kind of we jumped to verse 9, and it's almost like God the Father steps in, and he says, therefore, therefore, anytime when you're in Scripture, you see the therefore, a wherefore, so, in light of what just happened, in light that my son came down, took on the form of man, sacrificed himself to the point of death so that you may have light, therefore, in light of that, here's what's going to happen. Every tongue's going to confess, every knee's going to bow that Jesus is Lord. Do you understand that? Every, but, but here's the question. Here's the thing. I guarantee you today, here in this service, in the 11 o'clock venue service, online, we have people right here that have never professed Christ as their Savior. I'm going to preach here in a little bit to what Paul says to the church. It's a word to the church. It's a word to believers. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then this is not a word for you. Do you understand that? The question is, are you going to willingly give your life to Jesus Christ today? Or, as we'll see as pastor preaches through Revelation, Jesus is going to return, but he's going to return in judgment. And you will bow a knee, and you will confess the name of Jesus. The only problem between now and then is now you're going to be a citizen of heaven with God for eternity. Then you're going to be a citizen of hell, and you're going to be eternally separated from God. Do you see the difference? Do you understand what the text is saying? Every knee is going to bow. The question is, as Pastor Chad says often, are you willing to bend the knee for Jesus? You know, we'll have an invitation at the end. Pastor Jim will be up here. Pastor Bud's going to be up here. Pastor Bill's going to be playing. We're going to give you that opportunity, but I'm telling you, do not wait to the end of the service. Why not now? Why not right now? Why not right now in your seat, 
you just bow your head right now. I don't care if you don't listen to another thing I say about Philippians today. Right now, you bow ahead and you call on the name of Jesus and you get your relationship right right now. You don't need to wait to the invitation. You do that right now. You can bless us by coming forward at the end of the invitation and bless the church that somebody has went from death to life today. I'm telling you, take care of business with God today. So in light of all of this, I'm going to start preaching now. So that was just, we're just introduction there. We're just getting ready. We haven't, we haven't started preaching yet. We're going to see in this text, in light of this relationship, in, in light of what Paul's saying to the church, in light of what Christ has done for us, we, we have some responsibilities. So under number one, here, here, I'll sum it up. I'll give you, just give you the ending at the beginning so you know where we're going. Paul calls on the church to unite together, to work out their deliverance, by holding forth the gospel while being surrounded by a crooked and perverse generation. That, that's, we're going to say, I'll say that at the end. I'm going to say it at the beginning. So the first thing is, you got to work out your deliverance. Work out your deliverance. So then, my dear friends, just if you as always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says, so then. Like we just said, in light of what I just said, so then, Philippians 1.27, our key verse for our middle school students, stand firm, stand together, fight side by side, have the mindset of Christ. So then, in light of that, he says, my beloved, a wonderful term. I, I, you know, it's this attitude that we have as ministry partners. It's the, it's the attitude you should have for one another. I mean, I, I, mean I, know, I know we get on each other's nerves sometimes, but you truly, if, this, if, y'all, if we're all in this together, this is the attitude we have to have, that we would refer to dear friends, uh, you know, our, our, our true partners, our care for one another, our true care for one another. You know, Bill and I, over the years, he said, I've been here. He's right behind me, by the way. Don't act like he's some, you know, young whippersnapper. He's right behind me in how many years he's served at the church. Me and Bill, we are different dudes. We, we are, you know. And I don't know, I probably, I don't know anybody I've butted heads with more than Bill. Me and Bill can just butt, we can butt heads. We can get into it. And, and we see things differently. But the reason Bill and I always do ministry together is because we have a care for one another. You know, Bill's my friend. He's somebody I care about. I don't have to always agree with him, and I don't, and he doesn't agree with me, but we have a care for one another. We're on, we're on the same path together. We're trying to help the church and ourselves go out and make a difference. It says, my beloved, you all that's working together, as I read earlier, it says you are in my every prayer. You're the ones that are in my heart that, that he has... He says, I want, I want to know this, that you're remaining obedient. That you're remaining obedient, it says in the text, as you, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now even more in my absence. Actually, when we get to chapter 4, we see there's a, there's a little problem in the church. There's some ladies that's got some issues, and he's calling on the rest of the church to come in. Help them. Be part of it. We're, we're true partners together. Don't just let that lay out there. You're to be obedient. Here's what I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm a thousand miles away from y'all. We've had this partnership for 12 years. And I know when we were there, we partnered and we advanced the gospel. I want to know whether I'm there or whether I'm not there that you're moving the gospel 
forward together. That's what I want to know. I want to know those things. So how are we going to do that? It says we are going to work out our salvation. Kind of an interesting term. You know, on the surface, you can go, oh, man, uh-oh. Pastor Ken's going to have to answer a question of works theology today, you know. Uh, are we working out our salvation? But it's, it's nowhere near that. We're in the context of the church. We're in the context of believers. We're not talking about individual salvation here. We're talking about all of us going out together. In fact, this whole, this whole area of Philippi, this church in Philippi, um, it, it was the colony of Philippi was formed after the two big battles of Philippi. They were called the works of Philippi, the two battles of Philippi. And in fact, it's, mo- it's, it's military veterans that have settled in Philippi. So therefore, Paul in this letter uses all kinds of military language because he knows they understand that. And this word to work is the same word for battle. It's to work. It's to battle out. It's to battle out together. Battle out your own. Your own is plural in the text. It's not you. It's not your salvation. It's you all. It's you all together. Together, you're to battle out, and then salvation is the word for deliverance. And it's the one deliverance. It's singular. So you have you all are to battle together for the one deliverance. We're going to take forth the gospel message. We're going to conquer ground for the kingdom. It's a call on the church. Here's the word picture. My friend Jeff Boffman always telling me about Army Ranger stuff, and he said, you know, they have a different philosophy. If they're going to take an, an airfield and, and, and behind enemy lines, they drop the Army Rangers right, right in the middle, and they have to battle their way out. So it is with us, us that are heavenly citizens here on earth, together in the church. God has plopped us right down, right in the middle of this perverse and wicked generation, and he wants us to battle together for the deliverance, to move forward the gospel message. It's a book of evangelism, of moving forth the gospel. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to work together? I was telling Pastor Steve, I seen him in the hall, that I was kind of talking about him in his ministry. He's our evangelism pastor, you know, so it's a hard thing for us to, I'm discipleship, he's evangelism, I don't, you know, it's a blurry line there in the middle. You know what I mean? I don't know where that begins and ends. Um, so, you know, we work hand in hand all the time. And, and you certainly understand your individual responsibility. You know, we just come together here to encourage one another, to learn together, so then we can go out to our areas and we can be impactful. And so, Pastor Steve is, is doing a number of things to try to help you here. Have you heard of... You know, our, our impact events, have you heard of those things? Impact events? Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you would love the opportunity to just share the gospel with somebody? Raise your hand. Go ahead. It's interactive today. Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, if you want to be able to share your faith with somebody, you hook up with Pastor Steve. Do you understand what we just did in Idaho? We partnered. We took our people. We went to a church in, in some place we know nothing about. We partnered together. We plopped right down in their community, and we held forth the gospel, and we took ground for the kingdom. We had salvations. We had changed lives. It changed us. It changed them. We partnered together. It's what Pastor Tavis does in Montreal. We're going to another country. We take our church. We take people up there. We join with their church, and we partner together, and we go out, and we conquer ground for the kingdom. It's what Pastor Kyle and the youth did in Houston. They partner together. 
They go in Houston. They don't even know the area. They don't know the people. They partner with the local church, and they go, and they're going to take ground for the kingdom. They're going to hold forth the gospel. That's what Pastor Kelly tries to do with mission trips. We put them together so we can go impact the world. Our block parties. How many of you have heard of the block parties? He's also the communications pastor, so if they don't raise their hands, something is wrong with your communications, Steve. How many of you heard of block parties? All right, judge for yourself. I don't know, Pastor Steve. A block party is no different than an impact party, but it's in your neighborhood. You. We're going to give you church people to come, and we're going to let you impact your own neighborhood with the gospel. We're going to help you. We're going to put it together. We're going to partner with you so you can share the gospel in your neighborhood. How about that? I think I've seen Charlie raise his hand. I think he wants in on that, Steve. Charlie, in your, yeah, Charlie's in on that, yeah. Do you see this is what we're trying to do? We're trying to help you all do it. We're trying to do this together. We, too, are trying to partner together. We're trying to work out our salvation. We're trying to work together, battle together, to go out and impact the world. That's what our events do. It says, it says right here at the end, it says, and with fear and trembling. I mean, honestly, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm not asking you to sign up for something that's just going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be difficult. You, you get rejected sometimes. People don't always agree with this, right? But that's okay. Pastor Kyle just took a group of high school students uh, to Houston. So shout out to you guys. Thank you over in the venue, you students, for going. And they go, and, you know, they, they train, they work on these things, and they go. But, the, you know, they're just partnering with the church in Houston. I don't know the students probably fully understand all that they would be doing. But the bottom line is they get there, and they have to go out in the community and they have to share their faith in a foreign area with people they know nothing of. It's difficult. And you, and you know what happens sometimes? You get rejected. They, they don't always just be glad to see you. But you just got to keep on going on together. They do it together. They, you know, they, they go out together. And what happens, what happens? We just take God's word out that changes lives and let God handle the rest there. So they come back from the trip. Could have easily give up. But you know what's kind of next in church life here is we have VBS. Some of those same students. They say yes to serving. They have the opportunity to interact with the children. And some of our high school students led several of our kids to Christ in VBS within a week of coming back from Houston or two weeks from coming back from Houston. So they're just going to keep going. They're going to partner together. So, so Pastor Kyle... They, they studied together, they went together, they battled together, and you know what the end result, what, the, what that happened? The gospel moved forward. Lives were changed. That's what we're talking about. That's what, that's what Paul's saying to the church. I know you got some disunity. You got to knock that off because we're, you're not going to be effective for the kingdom. We got to do some things differently. Under number two, as we go on to verse 13 here, is we see that God's working through us. This isn't just our own endeavor. It says, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you. God's enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. As I said earlier in, in Philippians, the majority of time, the word work is the word for battle or battle task or that of the battle task of evangelism. But here, this is a little bit different word. It's a different word for work. This word for work is the word 
that is supernaturally operating. This is God supernaturally operating. It's a different word. He's going to take us together. And he's going to enable us in his supernatural way to go out and impact others. To do his work for his good purpose. It's God enabling the church to work together. He's, he, he's going to bless us like this. So here, here's, what it, here's what Paul would say to the Philippians. Since God is supernaturally operating among you all for the purpose of his goodwill, the Philippians should come together as a united front and fight out their deliverance from the crooked and perverse generation that surrounds them. If you go back, actually, to 128, uh, 127 goes on to say, not being frightened in any way by your opponents, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance, and it's from God. Supernaturally from God. So they go to Idaho. They go and they work together. And they have lives that's changed. To the enemy around them, it's a sign of their destruction. They're going down. They can see some things are happening. To us, we come back and we say, man, this is a sign of our deliverance. We're moving forward. How exciting. We give reports. We let you all know. God is working through us, with us. To fulfill his good will. He loves seeing us work together. Don't you know that? All right. Last point, number three. How, how are we going to battle work? How are we going to battle together? How would we do this? It says, do everything without grumbling and argue, arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among who you shine like stars in the world. You know how you're going to do it? Well, first you're going to have to quit the grumbling and arguing. That's what, that's what it's saying. We've had, a, a, you know, a difficult year and a half. I think everybody would say that. Everybody can have their opinions on what should and shouldn't happen, all those things. But at the end of the day, it calls for a lot of opportunity to grumble about a lot of things. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying everything's great, but we're talking about the church. This idea of grumbling is that low voice complaining, you know, where you don't actually really want to say it out loud. You just want to kind of slide over to the side, plant a little seed with somebody you think may accept it, and then, then you get the ball rolling. Let me just throw it out there, see how that goes, and now it's starting to go. You start that in the church, and then it starts to go. We, we, we've had the opportunity to do a lot of that. God says if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to eliminate the grumbling and the arguing. Then the arguing is actual verbal arguing. You know, I, it got to the point um, during COVID when it really ramped up um, last year where, you know, you, you guys all know. I mean, I'm not telling you nothing. You know, we've got mass stuff and distancing stuff and all, all the stuff, you know, relative. We're, we're as pastors, you know. Um, Pastor Jim and myself and Pastor Steve and Pastor Kelly and Pastor Bill, you know, we're, we're trying our best to put together what we think is the best, is the best thing. Um, but you know what the reality is? You may not know this, but we're not medical people. I don't know if you realize that or not. You know what we are? We're, we're just some humble shepherds trying to lead God's people the best we can. That's our priority. You know, we're trying to protect the flock the best that we can do. 
And so it got to a point, I, I'm, I'm spending my Sundays in dozens and dozens of, you know, questions slash comments about masks and distance and, and everything in between. To finally to the point, you know, where I had to say in my conversations, look, today's Sunday. We're coming to God's house to worship our Savior. And I'm not going to talk about those things and get messed up when I am trying to worship, when I'm trying to grow, when I'm trying to learn together. You want to come talk to me about that, you come make an appointment, you can visit with me on Monday or Tuesday or something, but don't be messing up my Sunday with a bunch of stuff that is not anything to do with taking God's word out and impacting the kingdom, impacting the world for the kingdom. It's, it, it just gets started. Pastor Chad, you've heard him many times say this. You're one of two things. You're either a fire f- fighter or you're a fire starter. Which are you? When somebody comes and grumbles to you, do you extinguish it or do you throw gas on it? Which are you? We talk about it in, in our Discover LBC classes. You know, we have to be some of these fighting fires here all the time. Why? Why? Not, not sort of be an inconvenience, so we can be effective. If you, if you want to take the gospel out in an effective way, he says you're going to have to be blameless. Do everything that are in glimmerings so that you may become blameless, pure children. It's the citizens of heaven, faultless in a crooked and perverse generation. It's been ramped up. It's difficult, but we don't want to lose our effectiveness. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, uh, 11 and 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers... And temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Here it is. Conduct yourselves honorably among the among the Gentiles. And let me. I didn't even write it down there. All of it down. Let me. Um, let me just read the rest of it to you. Um, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in the case where they speak against you, they slander you. As those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. Look, you know what he's saying? They're going to look at you in the middle of this messed up deal, and they're going to go, they are different. Their attitude's different. Their, at, their actions are different. What is going on? And maybe, maybe, just maybe, from your witness, when God returns, maybe they will have salvation. Because they watched you. Yeah, this is what we talked about, right? I mean, they watched you. They're going to watch you. They're going to be able to see your actions. You're going to play it out, and it's going to be proof of the greatness of our God. In Ephesians, I think it's 3.10, it says that. The world will see the greatness of our God only to the point of how unified we are. If we're unified, they'll see this multifaceted wisdom of God. If we're not, they'll see a tarnished view of God. And we can control that. That's on us. It's going to be it's going to be tough because it says we're in the midst of what? A crooked and perverse generation. Crooked meaning morally twisted. Morally are we in the midst of a morally twisted generation? Yes, in so many ways. So many ways. Perversion means perverse means causing departure from correct behavior, from what God's word would say, to cause people to go astray from what God's word would say. It's rampant. It's difficult. 
But you know, in, you, you know what's happening with, uh, with Paul in his situation? He's in, he's in house arrest. He's in prison. And you know what his word back to the Philippians are? He, he says, now in, in 112 in Philippians, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, my imprisonment, all, what would seem unfair, has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. He's saying, I have been put in house arrest unfairly, by the way. But I don't want you to feel sorry for me because you know what's happened? Right under Nero's nose with his own guards, I'm leading them to Christ. And I am taking ground for the kingdom right where I've been planted. Right where I've been planted. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to talk about how unfair it is. I'm telling you what I'm doing in the midst of an unfair, crooked, perverse situation. And he expects the same as us as a church to overcome. Why? So that we can shine like stars in the darkness. That we can live worthy. Live as citizens of heaven in this perverse generation. Make a difference together with different attitudes, with different behaviors. We have to become blameless. Secondly, we're going to change the generation because we're going to hold forth the gospel. It says, hold firmly, in verse 16, the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor for nothing. The hold firmly there is to hold forth, to extend. It's the idea of like the Statue of Liberty who has the, the torch in there. They're holding forth. They're holding forth the torch. That, that's, that's kind of the word picture of, of what that looks like. They're moving forward. The, the word of life actually reads, hold forth the word which produces life, the gospel message. We can go do a lot of things, but without taking the gospel with us, we, we would have accomplished nothing. In the first century, to this group of people that he's talking about, what would be common to them is some of this imagery of military life. And one of the things that they had that was called the Aquila. It would be, it would be similar to like the American flag here has a standard and we had the eagle on top. It, it would be the Aquila, it would be the eagle on the top. So they, when they go to battle, the Aquila fire... The, the one that holds the standard, holds it forth, and he leads the way into battle. So here he is leading the way with the Aquila on top. The very most prized possession of the enemy is to get and destroy the Aquila. In fact, in Roman, if a Roman um, um, legion, a, a Roman, uh, you know, a group were conquered and they got the Aquila taken from them, when they returned, one out of every ten were executed of the soldiers. The, the Aquila was everything. It was, the, it was the most important thing, as it is with us. The Aquila is the gospel. And guess who you are? You're the Aquila fires. And guess what you're to do? You're to hold forth, hold firmly, hold out the gospel as you go forward, taking ground for the kingdom. That's what you do. Just you hold forth life, the ability for others to have life. We hold forth the gospel as we engage the opposition. We fight for our deliverance. Three things. Don't forget these three things. We have to do this without grumbling, without arguing, with a selfless mindset. Two, we have to take the gospel. We hold forth the gospel because it's the gospel that changes lives, not just our words. 
and we we fight side by side to keep moving the gospel forward. So 127 to 218 is talking about how we're going forth as a church together to make a difference. Let me conclude with this. Paul is asking the church, are you doing these things? I'm not here. I'm gone. Is this what you would be known for? Is this what you're doing? It's no different than what we as a church are today. You know what's going to happen this week? Pastor Chad's going to return. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to call Pastor Steve, Pastor Jim, Pastor Kent, Pastor Bill, Bud, Kelly. He's going to call us in and he's going to say, Staff, what have you done while I was gone? I mean, do you think it's going to be all right if we said, you know what we did? We just, you know, like in the parable, we, you know, we just buried our stuff and, nothing, you know, nothing got damaged there. We, 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 we just maintained. No, he's not going to want to do it. He's going to know how we moved, how we advanced the gospel, how we move forward. You know what he's going to ask then? Tell me about the church. Tell me about you all. Tell me about you all in the venue. You all here in the balcony, right here, all of you. He's going to say, I know, but what about them? I was gone a month, a whole month. What did they do? Did they work together? Were they working side by side? Surely while I was gone, you wasn't like in complete conflict management mode in the church, were you? Surely they were, uh, they were working together, and they were taking the gospel out. Surely our Sunday school classes, you know, with Charlie here and, and, and John and Tim, Surely you were moving the gospel forward. You were challenging the people. You, like, you don't need that just to only happen when I'm here. You were doing that while we're gone, weren't you? What, would, what report should I give them? What report? What should, what, what, what should I tell pastor why he was gone that we did as a church? Did we conquer ground for the kingdom? Did we join together? Were we better? That's what he's going to ask. Let me ask you, if I ask you those questions, are you working together? Are you working together? Or do some of you have some relationships that need to be corrected within the church, within the body of Christ? And I'm telling you, it's no lighthearted thing. It's a serious thing. When we don't get along with each other, we damage our witness. We damage our effectiveness. You know, and I understand, we don't always get along. I told you about me and Bill. We've, we've butted heads, and we, we have to come back together, and we have to move forward together, which we've done as we do as a church. Secondly, we're holding forth the gospel. What are your priorities? You're holding forth something during the week. What is it? What is your priorities? What are you holding forth? Is the gospel the main thing? Is that what you're doing? Thirdly, are you engaging the opposition? Or do you just go home and come back here again next week? Are you looking for opportunities to engage the opposition? This is how important this is to Pastor Chad. Every week, every week, we have a series of staff meetings. One of our staff meetings is our entire staff. Everybody, everybody in the building. Our entire staff, we have a meeting. And Pastor Chad does a, a devotion, but Pastor Chad would be the one to tell you, that's not the primary thing that we do in that meeting. Pastor Jim, he, he gives some reports, asks us some questions about what happened throughout the week and what's coming up, but that, he, he would be the first to tell you, that's not the most important. The most important over here is what Pastor Steve has to do. And Pastor Steve asks us as a staff every week, who have you engaged with the gospel 
this week. Every week, every week, our staff is asked, who of you has done anything to engage the opposition? Who has taken the gospel out? It's a serious question, and our senior pastor is very serious about it. It's a question for you all today. The book of Philippians is a book of evangelism. Paul wants to know, are you on mission, church? He's asking us today. I'll repeat what I said, and then we'll close at the beginning. Paul calls on the church to unite together, to work out their deliverance by holding forth the gospel while surrounded by a crooked and perverse generation. Will you join us on this mission? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a challenge from Paul, a challenge to the church, a challenge to me, a challenge to our staff, that we're to work together, we're to take the gospel out. And I pray as we go out this week, you give us great opportunities. And I pray that we have eyes to see them. I pray that we be obedient. I pray that we work together in these opportunities we have. I pray for the church today that they, that they will have great opportunities to impact others. Thank you that we could come together this morning. Thank you for the challenge. We love you. We seek to serve you. But I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.